Hello, and welcome back to DP World Tour Picks and Bets Major Championship Edition. Skylar Hoke here. Uh, it's good to be back, Tom. Missed you for a couple of weeks there. Yeah, no, it's been, um, you know, we, we got through it and we didn't do Himalayan, did we? Um, and then we came back and did a three-man show with with Ryan and, and um, Axis last week, and that was really enjoyable. And thanks again to those guys for coming on. But always good to have you back, especially in time for the Open Championship. Final major of the season. Um, quite a lot to play for, I think. There's, you know, there's Ryder Cup storylines. There's obviously the Claret Jug to play for. But I think for a lot of the guys that we're going to mention in this show, there's different goals and expectations this week. Not all of them are going to be able to sort of look for that win, I don't think. And there's almost like a tournament bit of tournaments on those guys. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and your point, thank you, Axis and RB, as always, popping on. Much appreciated. Um, last week was kind of almost a, a fairy tale story on a couple ends for um, some of the DP World Tour guys that we originally loved and, and you know, have been hard on Bob McIntyre. But what a story that was um, seeing his shot on 18. Obviously, congratulations to Rory McIlroy. That you know was what we asked of him, and 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 shown up in that type of moment. But Bob still appreciated what what he did, what that round will mean for for the rest of his life. And then um, you know, part two was was Vincent Norman. Yeah, you know, people probably people probably do forget, especially because he was relative. I mean, to us, still a higher caliber amateur, but didn't have the same uh, degree as some of the guys that are popping or Ludwig Aberg, uh, you know, country mate. Nowadays, um, you know, Norman cut his teeth early on in the BP World Tour, and we saw that upside, and really cool for him to, to get that first W as a rookie um, at the Barbasol. So excited for what um, is to come with him as well. Yeah, I think I think ultimately, like, he looked really shaky on the, on the 18th hole. I'm sure people saw that. Um, but it went in, and, and then he won, right? And I think ultimately... We knew the talents. We, we spoke about them at length on here for you know a good few months before he went to the Corn Ferry Tour and got his card that way. And look, this is going to be the conventional route for a lot of players now. A lot of these guys that are coming out of uh, college. They're going to go and play in Europe because that's where they're going to get some starts, especially if they are European. And then they're going to probably find their way naturally to the, the PJ Tour, especially with Q School and things returning. So it's, you know, it's a shame in one aspect for us, but by the same token, you almost feel proud of these guys for going over there and, and you know, winning. And we had a nearly very close fairy tale story with Nathan Kimsey, who had been spoken about at, at yeah. um, for a long time on the, on the preview shows and things like that, the number one Challenge Tour graduate. So it was it was a, definitely a week of nearlies for us, as well as, um, you know, celebrations with, with Norman and, and Rory as well, as we felt like. I, you know, I tweeted yesterday, I'm very harsh on both McIntyre and Rory, but it was good just to see them both battle it out. You know, Bob do everything that he could possibly do to win. I think Rory had like a 1% chance of winning and, and did it by birdie in the last two holes. And, you know, ultimately that's what the best player in the world, people call, should do, right? And and that's what he did. He stepped up and he hit the shots. And I think it was even more impressive the fact that he battled back from a really poor opening nine. Um, you know, him and Fleet were really struggling early on and, and he, he turned it around and got the win. And do you think, final probably comment on last week, do you think that McIntyre has done enough from that to get into the Ryder Cup? I mean, a win, it was it was a no-brainer, right? Which which really stinks in the sense that, like, was one, one to get beat yeah. the way he did. Should, should it matter? No, no. Uh, but it was almost like he wasn't even in discussion. Any preview is not really talking him, right? It's Moronk, it's Aberg, 
it's Yannick in the position that he is. It's Pat, Patty Harrington. It's it's not Bob. Bob won at Marco Simone. We know that. Um, I think if he has a top 20, just say this week, to me, it would feel like it should be almost a lock. But um, it's a lot to say just from one one week. But I guess he, he played well, you know, Hamilton too. Well, that, that's the thing is that like he probably should have won the last two events he's played. Yeah. So if he wins Himalayan, does he go and do what he done at Scottish Open? If he's not off the pace, does he go and do what he's done at Scottish Open? Like there's there's so many variables yeah. to it, but he could have very And easily... then Straka, Straka won too, yeah. you know? So like, what do you say? Yeah, it's tough. like all of a sudden, like where we were concerned about people not really stepping up and how we were going to fill those four spots, all of a sudden it's people turning up at the right time. And I think, I think for Rory McIlroy and Robert McIntyre, this is a really big week. Like Rory needs to go and get a major win sooner rather than later. If it's here, then fine. Like I still think people will not be, um, what's the word, not satisfied with an Open Championship win because he's already done it. He's done it this golf course, right? I'm probably amongst those. I think until he wins the Masters, I'm probably always going to be a bit critical. But he wants to get that win. And then, you know, Bob, if, I, you know, he's had two top 10 finishes and three Open Championship starts. He has another one of those. He's in, He's going to get in the Ryder Cup. So, um you know, Donald will be looking for a reason to put him in after, you know, his win on Marco Simone. So, yeah, I think I think it's a really big week for those two guys. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more as we go on for this show. Yep, 100%. Um, big week, obviously, at Mayo Media Network as we preview the Open Championship. Uh, Pat has been crushing the content already. Um, and the way Tom and I go after this week is we basically pick up that player-by-player player preview when it gets over to the DP World Tour guys, yeah. you know, uh, Ben Coley and, and Pat went went really in depth the top of the board um, on Saturday, uh, and it was cool to listen through that. And and this is really the how you round out those DraftKings lineups if you want to look for some of those low owned guys. Now we're going to almost have to talk potential chalk in, in Robert McIntyre or or even Jordan Smith guys that maybe are easier clicks compared to some of those that we'll dive into a little bit more this week. Um, DraftKings also altered the pricing that we have golfers as low as 5,500 now this week. Um, and, you know, a good amount of them are either open qualifiers or even some of the DP World Tour guys. Um, and the 6Ks got loaded up. So we're going to spend some time jumping through each of uh, the guys that stand out, or at least we think could be playable in DFS. Um, it's Monday, right? The, there's still a lot of conditions to, to learn about how Hoylake is. So I think, um, you know, nailing a betting selection may not be what we're really uh, doing today. We'll still post our cards as the week goes on, yeah. but we're going to do that. And then we'll turn the page and do something similar in a fast forwarded fashion um, for the Barracuda. Uh, so uh, if you are an audio listener and want to make sure I give a shout out early on, we appreciate you. You can rate, review, subscribe, and find us on all of your podcasts platforms at daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix much much appreciated as this is kind of our super bowl you know what we look at um for the summer so excited um to have you guys here and again it goes a really long way for supporting mayo media network with those likes and comments for us this week and pat's got a huge giveaway um two thousand dollars so make sure to be at his twitter to see how you can win some of that content uh, or some of that cash prize for the week all right tom so we dive in to pricing for the week now we've skipped through international players at the top of the board like a fleetwood like a hatton fitzpatrick lowry those type of guys to me still you know are are Ryder cup guys but not 
our DP World Tour guys at the moment any longer. I think the first one we can start with reasonably is Minwoo Lee at 7,700, who has done pretty much everything he could on the PGA Tour this year, shown up in, in contention multiple times. What are your thoughts with Minwoo this week? So I think he's going to be pretty popular. I think people are going to look yeah. for the one guy they can trust from Europe. And I was thinking about this, like, last few nights i think we're overrating slightly euro players because it's the open championship because that is naturally what you would do i think when you look at how players like you know shane lowry and Tommy fleetwood struggled yesterday in the wins i think you know it's just variable and and ultimately that's not to pick on those two guys like i'm just i'm just saying that like i think the americans can play just as well in this so i think Going to someone just for the sake of having a Euro Tour player would be a bit of a concern. Now, I don't think that's the case with Minwoo Lee. Like, he's played in two Open Championships. He's missed the cut in his first, uh, but he shot a second round 69 to just missed the cut in his first attempt and then finished 21st last week, or last year, sorry, uh, St. Andrews and was 12th at the halfway mark. Pretty strong major record, as we've been discussing in, in all of these majors, really, with Minwoo Lee. I do wonder if he's slightly too expensive on DraftKings. Now, you know, the odds are going to be what you think about the odds in terms of betting. I completely understand why he's the price he is. I mean, he's, he's been in great form. He's been 5th, ninth, and 15th coming into uh, the Scottish Open last week. He was, you know, top 10 at the Travellers, top 5 at the um, US Open, and 15th at the British Masters. I just I just wonder if he's a little bit too expensive for what you'd want to do on your DraftKings lineups. Yeah, I... I think he's worth it, personally. I, yeah. I think he's one of my very keen plays of the week. And, you know, popularity, I, I think we see a little bit at the majors because of softer or different even pricing this week that we don't – I don't view him as, like, the standout value that sometimes – you used to get, like, Matt Kuchar, $7,200 at Augusta, and he's 33% owned. Like, I'm not worried that level of Minwoo. I'm, he's going to probably be the most owned of – I mean, maybe, maybe Bob will, will pass them, but of the DP World Tour guys we talk about today. Yeah. But I, I struggle to pick holes in, in his game right now. I mean, I guess we haven't really even talked to the course. That's, so, so this would be my concern. Is is right. he accurate enough? So Royal Liverpool, right? From from my two cents of yeah. you know researching, listening, getting in, it's a different type of links test. I, it, it's something where it's completely opposite of, of Royal or of, of St. Andrews from last year, right? Like it is not what we see at that. I don't even know if it's all that comparable to, to really any of the, the open rota that we've seen. If it plays out the way that, you know, we're, we're going to have real stats this time. And I worry that the fake stats or the minimal stats that we had gotten in previous ones really tells us the right story i i, I it's, it's an accuracy test right i think it really yeah. you have to play from the fairway not only just because the fescue the ob that everyone's talking about it's on six of the 18 holes but what the parallel i think steve Emperor did great with this parallel being kind of the first one to, to really talk through this is sawgrass in a lot of ways and I had to think about it. I, I really had forgotten that Minwoo's best PGA Tour performance this year, he could have won the Players' Championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, he yeah. really, he, he could have won that week. Now, Sunday was horrible, and he couldn't hit a fairway to save his life. 
but does it play a fairway test that is 2006 Tiger doesn't take out a driver type of thing no. where Min Woo Lee is just hitting the two irons? Is that going to play this week? I'm curious your thoughts. So, so I think I think the thing is it's going to be softer than 2006. It's going to be probably a little bit more yep. akin to what we saw in 2014 when Rory was putting out driver career averaging 320 yards. But crucially, Rory was 20th in accuracy. And I don't know that Minwoo has the upside. Now, he doesn't need to at 7-7. We're not actually talking about him winning here for a minute. I think we're probably talking top 10s, top 20s, right? Um, I, I just... I mean, look, the guy's won the Scottish Open. The guy's won... What, has he won in Vic as well, like Victoria? So he can play in the wind. That's the first point. He has played a, a water hazard course in uh, the Players' Championship, which obviously means you've got to keep it in the fairway. So he's ticked a couple of boxes. I just... I just think of the four majors this year, this might be the, it seems like it should be the most suited, but it's almost, I think, a tough one for him to get. Now, I'm going to be right or wrong this week because I've gone down the accuracy route. Um, and, and it's as simple as that, right? I think I think this is where I'm going to come into different discussions, but I think I think he's good enough to overcome it. I think he's good enough to control his goal for. I think he's he's got the creativity around the greens if he needs it. Uh, I just worry about the kind of like, will he go OB when it really matters? Will he like, you know, will he do a final round 76 like he did at, uh, you know, TBC Sawgrass and and kind of spew away some of those points? Now, if you just want the top 20 upside, I think he's great. If you're playing him in at 7-7 as your third guy in, I'd be a little bit concerned. Now, when I talked about ownership earlier about popularity, like he's he's in the same sort of prize bracket as Jason Day and Corey Connors and Keegan Bradley, who are all going to get their kind of click. So, Ultimately, I actually don't think he'll be that highly owned. I think it's just, I just think people see the name Mimuli and that's just what they associate with with Europe right now. And, you know, it is tough. I, I think I'm waffling a little bit because I'm a little bit indecisive. I think ultimately, I, I don't think he's going to be accurate enough to contend would be my final statement. Yeah, so, that, so that's where, and I was in research. It left me frustrated with the DP World Tour in the sense that I don't, there's just not enough stats still for us in the DP World Tour where I'm trying to think of the best way and I, I hopefully can, can get there uh, of like understanding. Like, I get Rory had really good driving distance numbers, but even then, and you know, you could have watched and you know, gone back and, and charted it up more, but that's the driving distance that comes on, on two holes, right? Like, yeah. I don't think he was consistently. 300 yard plus if he's that accurate unless he had one of the greatest weeks he's ever had with a driver which you need at a major championship he's he's hitting six drivers around i think was what the numbers said in round two ben coley had his article that he he hit six drivers yeah so is there a statistic or can i parse through some numbers to see can can min woo hit these fairways with his two iron and not even is he long enough to, to two iron it around for 13 12, 13 drives, right? And yeah. I, I just don't, that is like the eyeball test. That is like understanding. And it's pretty much, I mean, if you do look at the players and what he was from an accuracy, stand, accuracy standpoint, he was one of the longer guys in the field that week. But Minwoo still, I mean, you know, he was distance wise, he averaged 292, which is the real distance on all his drives, which was top 20. For the week, and then if you looked at his accuracy from that standpoint, Minwoo hit 
66% of his fairways, 37 out of 56. You know, that is top 20 of guys who made the cut, top 15. And so was he just pulling the two iron all week long? I mean, from it's hard to recall how many times, you know, we've watched the golf to what's confused or not. That's just the type of angle that I'm trying to think through what guys who are inaccurate with their driver could benefit from clubbing down. And is it changed enough since 2014 with some of these renovations that made it longer, you know, adjusted some things that maybe you can't do that anymore, even though they drive it farther than they did. Maybe you can't, maybe you have to bomb driver. Well, well, that was that was my next counter is like because those were really good points and and especially the one where you're saying you're taking it from a couple of holes right like it's a brilliant counter to that. I think the one concern is like ten's gone from a par five to a par four over 500 yards and they've lengthened the final two par fives by 15, 60 yards or 14, 60 yards, whatever. So I think you're going to have to hit driver more often. You're going to have to be told to stand up and hit it. And I think with the softer conditions that I'm expecting you will want to anyway. I think people will go into yeah. that. I think Mimul is the aggressive type that I don't think he's going to want to take iron off the team. Now, that's what makes him so brilliant. It's also what could be his downfall. I think, ultimately, look, he's good enough. That, that, that The simple point of the matter is we should play Mimul at some point in lineups. It's a great way to get away from Corey Connors, Keegan Bradley's, Taylor Gucci's, or whatever in that range, right? And he is more than capable. He's proven it in multiple major championships. That, that's the main thing, I think, is the, the ultimate thing here, is if this is a guy that hadn't proved it in major championships already, I'd probably have discounted him from the very first second you mentioned him. But he's just been so good at majors relative to his career standing that it's hard to ignore him completely. Yeah, totally agree. So we are almost 20 minutes in and we've talked one golfer. Oh We're going to pick up our pace here. All right. So we've got three other golfers north of 7,100. Ryan Fox. Adrian Maroc. So Fox is 7,400. Adrian Maroc is 7,200. And then Nikolai Hoygaard is 7,100. How would you rate those three? Uh, Fox one, Hoygaard two, Maroc three. Yep. I think I would probably flip-flop Nikolai and um, and Fox yeah. for me. I think Nikolai is a fair, fair one to put on first. I mean, he had those were, I think, his best irons of his career um, last week at the Genesis. Yeah. If I have it right. Yes. I think it was actually like substantially his best irons of his career. Um, so pretty encouraged with with that performance. Um, has he, what was he, T53 at, at the Open last year? It, it's tough with these almost four guys that we talked to with the 7,000. 7, None of them are accurate. None no. of them, like... We have questions about every part, you know, of the game that that might matter to it. Short games can can go for all three of these guys in some ways. Um, I don't know. They, I, I don't feel as confident in them as as I do Minwoo. No, and and I I think there's a, a decisive gap between Minwoo and these guys. But I think that I think the reason I put Fox ahead of Hoygaard is not because of ability, because I think Hoygaard will eclipse Fox at some point in his career. But I think that. I think Fox at this current time is the more adaptable player who can change up his game to suit the needs of the golf course. And I don't think Nikolai Hoygaard can. So as much as his irons were brilliant last year, uh, last week, and look, he's played in two open championships already in his career. Fox has played in six and he's got a top 20 in one. He's been in around the top 20 before fading away in a couple of others as well. So 
I just think that Fox is the type of person that knows how to club down off a tee and, and play the golf course sensibly. I don't think Oigard is yet. And that's that's why he's not the complete package and someone that contends every week. The upside is potentially higher with Hoygaard, and he, he could probably be the type of person to win you one, whereas I think Fox is a little bit more solid. But overall, I think that the overriding point I would say here is I wouldn't feel too comfortable playing either of them. I'd probably rather actually dip into the, the sixes as we go further down, and I'm not interested in Moronk at all. Yeah, I, I echo all of your points. I, I think the only thing is we may be a little too harsh on Moronk. It feels like that's becoming the... Yeah. He just hasn't done it in this type of test, but to throw him out, he's still been fine enough. I think um, I, I saw some people saying of courses in which you would want to see success on the DP world tour. And this is again, where I would love more statistics is like, yeah. I don't really know. And maybe this is something to ask Matt uh, SGT to green. Like what are some of the courses in which there's the highest missed fairway penalty i'd be very curious on that because we can do leaderboards all day long great we've had some exceptional golfers play exceptionally well at this course that it's it's difficult to say what is the best comparison especially in a links type test but i guess with all that being said doha um qatar masters has been one i've heard a couple of times he was third there we have seen like the likes of Brandon Grace win that a couple of times uh, at that course. There's just at least been some comparables um, for the Qatar Masters, uh, but he played third there. So I don't think I'm clicking Morong, but maybe maybe we're just a little too hard on him early. Yeah, like I think we are hard on him, and I'm definitely hard on him at the moment because I just think he's lost it in recent weeks. It's not even just a major thing. Like I think he's just gone off the boil. Um, and this is coming from someone that was really high on him to win the British Masters, and and he did brilliantly to finish 15th. Like he was comfortably my worst selection, and then he finished the highest, and he actually gained on accuracy and distance off the tee in both of those events at the at the British Masters and the Scottish Open. I'm just worried about the irons and the around green game have been really poor, and and then to your point, he has done nothing in majors to suggest that he could do this. When you factor in the fact he's got a suddenly turn around major form and having the back of his mind and ride a cup thing and everything like that. I, I just, this is when I talk about the tournament inside of a tournament, like there's too much going on for him. Like I said, I, this is what I said about David Aberg last week that I didn't, everyone said like, we, do you think you should click him? I said, no, like in his head, he's got to try and win the squash shaven and impress Luke Donald. And I think it's the same with Adrian Ronk, but on a bigger stage this week. So um, yeah. we can't, I mean, famously, we can't actually guess their, their psychological state, but that to me, and, and look, again, it would speak wonders if you finish this inside the top 20, it really impresses, but I don't see it. Yeah, and, and the only other thing about Morocco before we keep going is I was pleasantly surprised, and with Minwoo Lee, too, um, guys that sometimes I, I wouldn't trust their, their accuracy or think a course that brings danger into play. PGA National is another one that is that Minwoo was impressive there, top 25. Maroc was T14 there, a course that really does demand that type of skill off the tee. Again, we're, we're, we're guessing on some well, of those, but... Um, I, to be honest, I didn't consider those, but like the Honda Classic is massive because that is one of the part of the reason like people will hear on, on my betting show later on. Like Russell Henley is one of my favourite picks for the yeah. week. He's a big odds player, and a lot of it's to do with his wind performances on the PGA Tour, and, and one of those is famously his win at the Honda Classic. And when you look, it's 
Roy McRoy and Ricky Fowler have both won there. Adam Scott's won there. Yep. All three of those were inside the top five here at Hoylake. Adam Scott's twice been inside the the top uh, ten here at Hoylake. Ernie Els um, has won at the Honda and, and contended here in 2006. So there's definitely an element of crossover with that. I actually probably prefer that one to the players because I think the players ultimately just rewards the best players. Like this is, there's a reason it's called what it is, right? I think the Honda Classic and the nuances that come with that are actually really impressive. So um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm slightly too hasty with Moron because I, I don't even remember him finishing 14th there, which is probably talks to how mm-hmm. well he was playing at the time. Like I remember Mimuli being in and around it, but I forget about Moron. So um, maybe that is. I think I'm just one of those people that jumps off these people quickly because there's, there's just so many other options, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. And the price that comes with it because we yeah. get into the sixes now and, and you run into because at the sevens, could talk Lucas Herbert. We've talked him in the past. I don't think he qualifies. Same with Straka. I don't think they qualify as our DP World Tour guys nope. today um, for that. So we'll, we'll move on there into the sixes. Um, I'll list off the top four. I think there's four of them that are uh, – actually, I'll go five. Five, 6,700 or greater. We'll play the same game. Rasmus Hoygaard, Romain Langosk, Bob McIntyre, Jordan Smith, and Alexander Bjork. Give me your top two of the five. Uh, Bob and Smith. Okay. I think that's the answer for everybody. Yeah. Are, are, are you confident enough in both of them this week to play well? Yes. I, I actually was really impressed with Jordan Smith at the US Open. And I think this could be a major he does really well at. And like, unlike St. Andrews where he probably doesn't, I mean, look, he's long enough, but like he doesn't, gaining an advantage there. I think his accuracy comes to the four here. So uh, McIntyre is the clear favourite in the sixes uh, for Europe, but I think that Jordan Smith could sneakily be quite impressive in top 30. Okay. I I, I think there's going to be a lot set of both of these guys uh, for the week. Um, I, I'm, I'm very interested in Alexander Bjork, personally. Yeah. Um, so good. Getting to, getting to see his numbers against the PGA Tour was was a pretty welcome sight in regards to how good his irons have been. Yep. He was among the best iron players in the field last week and among the most accurate. So if you are going the accuracy route, right, I mean, there's not many more you're going to trust than Alexander Bjork when it comes off the tee, correct? And, I mean, he basically, he was ruled dead after Thursday, right? People were, we thought the, the, the performance of, you know, four consecutive top tens, six out of his last seven, you know, being inside the top 10 was, was done. And he had a, a rather solid final 54 holes, in my opinion, to end up finishing 35th, but he was 99th after day one, 66, 68 were sandwiched there in the middle. Um, he was also in, quite, in top 10 or thereabouts after three or four, like maybe five holes on Sunday. And then he just faded on the back nine because I was tracking him. Like he got to like seven under. And I thought, oh, here we go. Like, he's going to place for me, like, 100 to 1. Um, look, he's been second in the field in his last three events in strokes game approach, and he's been first, 11th, and 34th, I think it is, in tee screen. And that's considering the fact that he hits about 240 yards off the tee. I think he might be just too short. Um, I do favour accuracy over distance, but I think when you when I'm talking about players like Henley and Harmon, those types of players, and and, you know, that distance, I think they're, you know, the 20 yards longer than Bjork is. And I think 
that might be the concern. I also worry a little bit about the stage, but ultimately there's probably not a more consistent golfer in this range about the guys that we're going to talk about anyway. Um, so I, I don't mind playing him. I think he's, I think he's someone you should be looking at just as I did last week at the Scottish. Yeah. I mean, I think you can just dial in that he's going to be playing from the fairway. He's going to hit his irons well, and he's yeah. been a pretty dang good putter. Right. And, and yeah. I, I struggle to think outside of, Again, we're, we're playing a golfer at $6,800, um, or is he even 67 He is $6,700 this week. I'm not sure you can, you can say that for, for a lot of guys in the 6Ks of what that consistency has been. And, of course, if he is threatening a win on Sunday, do I trust that? But we're not, we don't need that in this range. I think he might make for an exceptional top 10, top 20 type of bet, um, depending on how conditions might favor out. The, the other side of, of what could come this week, and again, this is Monday we're talking, there's still the play to me that if it is going to be, hey, everyone's saying we're pulling driver. If everyone is pulling driver this week, it could be a U.S. Open type open championship where nobody can hit these fairways, and it's just going to come down to a luck standpoint, which wouldn't be what you need for Alexander Bjork, Correct. right? I think it would bring more of the the 7,000 guys that we discussed. Um, I don't even know anyone. I mean, I don't think it helps Romain Langosk all that much. Uh, I don't think, I mean, it would help Rasmus, but I I, I relative no interest in Rasmus um, compared to the other guys. Uh, So that would be my thoughts up there. Uh, But I, I mean, you could probably say he is the legit shortest guy in the field. When it comes to yeah. him and like Brendan Todd and Andrew Putnam. You you need it to be exactly what I want it to be, which is an accuracy test. And, you know, you need him to play perfectly. That's the slight concern. Um, but I do trust him to do both of those things as it is. And although it is going to be slightly softer, you will still get a little bit of run on these golf on this golf course and that can only benefit him. So I, I'm confident enough to, to play him in lineups just with lower expectations in terms of maybe a top thirty finish. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Um, let's go down a little bit more. We have at sixty six to sixty five. We kind of get uh, a little bit of a longer list. Um, and again, just sticking with our Euro guys only: Victor Perez, Jorberon Olsson. I guess uh, I, I throw this out to say Patty Harrington. He's yeah. not a DP World Tour guy, but I think we should talk him. He's more of a DP World Tour guy than probably like Willett. I don't really have much interest in Willett. Do you? Well, the only thing I was going to say about Willett is he's just got an exceptional Open Championship record, but yeah. he's not doing anything, right? Like he, yeah. like he legitimately might be broken. So, um, yeah, I don't think you can trust him. Okay, so we can throw him out. Um, so at 6,500, you have then Yannick Paul, um, as well as hometown boy Matthew Jordan. So that leaves us with five guys in this range. Tom, yep. same thing. Top two. Fjordbjorn uh, Olsson and Matthew Jordan. Okay. Um, I think the Matthew Jordan conversation, I actually expected to get way more legs than it, than it maybe has. Yeah. Maybe stateside is different. And maybe also I was out of town for a couple of weeks, so. No, he did his presser. He's he's going to hit the opening tee shot. Um, he's to me like the sneakiest best links player in the world. Um, maybe that's a stretch. Sneakiest, un, most underrated. Uh, player, uh, yeah, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
he's done well in British Masters. He's done well um, at the Alfred Dunhill. Um, course knowledge is going to help. It's definitely going to help. He said he hasn't played in, in at least over a month. Um, so he's excited to see what it turns out to be. But I'm sure he's seen it in the elements of which it's going to show this week. Um, so why is he not your number one then? Uh, tell us about your Bjorn. I, th- I think Olsson is just slowly coming back into the form that suggests he's still one of these better DP World Tour players this season. Like he's, He had a 15th place finish at the British Masters when he was third at the 36th hole stage. Uh, he did then miss the cut uh, in Himalayan, but he shot a second round 69. And last week he was 25th and you know, he's 15th, 17th, 18th after each round for the first three days. So actually he was just really consistent uh, in a Scottish Open where there was a lot of volatility. And when you look at his Open Championship record, like it's definitely better than I remember. I mean, he missed the cut on debut, but then he finished ninth in 2012, where he was fourth at the halfway stage. Um, he finished 64th in his next May cut, 62nd then after that. But in that 62nd, he was 24th at the halfway stage. Then he's got a 12th and a 57th. It just seems to be, and again, he was 25th at the halfway stage. It just seems to be a lot of, he's been inside the top 25 after several rounds at the Open Championship. He's playing well. I think he's the type of person that, that will just take it in his stride. He hits it long enough to take advantage of some of the longer holes. And I just, I sneakily think Olison is a little bit underrated still. And when you look at some of his wins, Sicilian Open, Perth International, Dunhill Lynx, British Masters, like he lost in the playoff in Mauritius. Like, aren't they all pretty good like barometers for windy tests? And then you've got the fact that he finished sixth in his Masters debut. He's been 27th in a PGA. Uh, the only one he's really not done anything at, he's missed four cuts as the US Open. But this, I mean, if it, again, if it turns into the US Open, like you said, then probably not a great thing. But I just I just see him doing sneakily pretty well. I mean, I looked at like the, the top 10 here from um, 2014, and it had Eduardo Molinari, Victor de Bussel in it, and Charles Schwartzel. Is Olison on their level? Yeah, I think he is. And the the only real thing that all of those had is that they'd had like a second place, a first or a second place finish in their two starts, in, 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 re, in recent starts on the DP World Tour. And he's done that, right? Like he's he's been, he's won this season. He's been second or third a couple of times. Like he's been in around the lead. So, I think he's he's a good player. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's very fair, and his year has, you know, deservingly been been very strong. Um, you talk Jordan. I think the pick for me, at least in conversation, would be Victor Perez. Um, one of your better calls of the year was how bad Victor Perez played the U.S. Open. Yeah. He was absolutely terrible, um, taking on that that low Frenchman market. Um, especially as he was so good at the PGA Championship. Um, you know, people do talk about, you know, I, I know you posted trends, you know, winner earlier in the year. Perez does have a win to his name. It was good to see at the Scottish Open uh, a little bit of flash, you know, out of him. It felt like it's just gone quiet since pretty much he played so well um, at the PGA Championship. Um, you know, he was top 20 at the BMW. He does have, and again, if you're just pulling back, you know, you know, prying out some history. He was very, very good at Sawgrass um, in the two times that he has seen it. If you remember, he like made the cut on the number on like Saturday morning and then rose into the top 10 on the weekend in 2021. And people forget uh, that, you know, we had the 2020, you know, players championship for one round. Uh, and I do believe he was like close to first round leader 
uh, that year uh, when he was playing in that players championship. So to me, um, there's just some sign of that. And he used to be the, the prototypical, he's going to hit every green or every fairway. He's going to hit your greens. You're going to play it right now. We're giving fair bio, bios on every single guy. This doesn't mean like I'm gung-ho on clicking to Perez this week. I'm just trying to make a case for somebody more. And then potential Ryder Cup or Yanni P. You know, Yannick Paul here. Um, I, I was loving seeing him at the front page of that leaderboard on Thursday, uh, especially because it's a huge, huge pairing for him, a huge opportunity. Faded the next 54 holes. I just don't. His game is, is just odd to me in the sense that it's just not spectacular anywhere. It is just above average, a little bit of everywhere. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know if a Lynx test is where I'd be signing up for Yannick Paul right now. No, so I think if I was going to play one of those two, it would be Perez just because he showed a little bit of life in Scotland last week. My concern with that is I think he just plays well in Scotland and that might, you know, he's, he's based there and that might just be it for Perez. Um, I don't think he's quite playing well enough to exceed expectations. Yannick Paul was just weird. I, I actually don't know. Like, even when I remember picking him out at the start of the season and being really bullish on him, statistically, it was it was a bit of the... You know, we didn't have the strokes game data then, did we? But then we were kind of going off field and high performances and stuff like that. And since we've had the strokes game data, he's looked pretty rough. Like, even when he's been playing well, like, he doesn't... Like you say, he doesn't stand out anywhere. Um, doesn't hit it long. Doesn't really hit it that straight either. So... Uh, yeah, I'd be slightly concerned about the outside of Yannick Paul. And again, if I'm talking tournament in a tournament for Moron and players like that, then Yannick Paul's definitely got that concern over him. Yeah, we didn't spend much time on Harrington. Any interest? Uh, no, I, I didn't like the way he faded at the Scottish. So I think he's going to be really popular this week at the 6600, and and I can absolutely see why. Um, but he he was 66, 67, 66 for the first two rounds, and then finished 42nd. And I just I mean, look, he said that he feels like he can compete against anybody on a Lynx golf course. And I think not only does he believe that, I think it probably is true at the moment because he hits it so far for someone of his age. I just wonder if it, he's going to run out of steam. Like he's been 50th at the PGA, 27th at the US Open. Then he's, you know, won um, on the Champions Tour. He's you know, been up there in the Senior Open. It's just a lot. Like it's a, a lot for a player of his age and a lot of crossing over from America to Europe. And if anyone's going to do it, it's Project Harrington because he's just pencil. But like, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see a, a thing where he's inside the top 10 or top 20. And that's kind of the thing that people think, I think he's sneaky for and people think he could be on the Ryder Cup. And I, I think it's probably too much. Yeah. I love the idea of a man like him just be, beaten down yeah. on like a young American. That would be yeah, like, great, I'd love to, great to watch. I, I would love it if he finished like Furyk finished fourth here or whatever. And, you know, in 2014, and he's obviously older than Furyk was then, but like, I would love to see him come and do that. Just play his way around and, and get over the, the problems that everybody else has. I just think that the, the way the scoring is going to set up, is going to get away from him. Like he would, he would want those really strong wins and, and, you know, I just I just don't think they're going to come. And also, he didn't show himself, you know, in that yesterday. So, yeah. I, yeah, just just worried about the upside a little bit on Harrington, which is ridiculous to say at 6,600, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, a, I think he's safe. I think yeah. he's safe. Yes. And ownership rarely at this pricing range gets out of control. I would still expect Bob and 
Smith to be above him. So I think he is a safe guy that you could trust to be, be around for the weekend. Kiowa, Kiowa could be a type of course without the length and the wind and the difficulty. If, if we saw that wind pop up on the forecast um, and what, you know, he finished fourth there, right? Yeah. And I think, I think as well, I don't think the people that are going to be looking for Patrick Harrington because they want a safe, low cost player in are probably not going to be able to afford him. So maybe the, the, the yeah. ownership will be kept down because I think people that are looking for him are going to be trying to put him in lineups with like Scotty Scheffler and you very quickly learn you, there's, there's a reason there's a $5,500 player in this, in this field. So yeah. I actually think you would have to take a chance on him in some more balanced lineups and that might put people off. So um, if the ownership's pretty low, then I would take him. I just feel like he's probably going to be one of the higher owned players in this kind of 62 to 66 range and maybe doesn't warrant it yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, and once again, telling us we're going to pick up speed. Yeah. Uh, well, I say that, and then Guido Migliazzi, $6,400. <laughs> Guido, a great opening, uh, I would say 36, a pretty rough final 36. Very happy for Guido to be in the Open Championship. Um, probably needs to win the Open Championship to get on the Ryder Cup. He has sneakily made four cuts in a row. Um, last year, he absolutely ripped my heart out. I think double bogeying 17 to miss the cut on the number at St. Andrews uh, when he was in great form. So I'm not sure this is the best test for, for somebody whose accuracy has been trending, but it's just not his game. Yeah. I know. Um, He's missed two cuts in the open and I don't necessarily see why there would be anything different other than like you say, I mean, look, he was the 54 hole leader at the British Masters. He's playing well enough. I just, I as much it's interesting because we say that he relishes the tough conditions and he gets creative with his shots, but I don't think he can do that for sensitive holes. I think he just does it in the moment. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. So we're going to go then through um, Otegui, Pablo, Thurston Lawrence, Yus Luton, Audrey Arnas, Daniel Hillier, Ewan Ferguson. Round out the six Ks for our guys. Let's talk one or two guys that you would be playing or feel confident in. Uh, I really like the two at 6,100 in Hillier and Ferguson, but I yep. think they're the obvious answer. They probably are, but I still don't think we're going to get, again, like at this range, like it is tough yeah. for pe- like, people like, to get out of control. Just, I like Ewan a lot. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of value for the people that are listening. Like, because I think a lot of people are going to already see that Ewan Ferguson was a boys amateur champion at Hoylake. I think people are going to assume what Daniel Hilly has done in the last three or four weeks and, and just click it. Like, so I'm thinking of, should we be saying more about the kind of used Loutons that have played okay in an open championship before and, and on, you know, on course for a good season. But I think that in itself is doing a disservice. Like let's just talk about the guys that we think can fit out lineups. And I think that is definitely Hillier and Ewan Ferguson. Yes. Ferguson um, also won at Doha, which we talked about um, a little bit earlier. And you say that that's known on Ferguson, but like I, I just found out about it like last week for the first time, right? On, yeah. on his win at, at Hoyle. Like it does spread quickly, but I still don't think to the masses in which some of these contests, yeah, Ferguson fair. is still a relative low name guy, top 12 at the Scottish, fourth the week prior, uh, two time winner last year, right? Like I think there's so many encouraging things about him this week another player that's going to get a little bit of steam though because then he get called like a poor man's ricky fowler and now he's practicing ricky fowler yeah. he does it does look a little bit like him but look i think yeah. i think ultimately ferguson is 
one of the more exciting talents on the DP World Tour who went through a tough patch and now bounced back. Eighth at the KLM, fourth at the British Masters, twelfth at the Scottish in really good company. And Hillier was top ten after 36 holes last week. Did fade over over the weekend with two seventy twos, but was probably to be expected. So I think both of them can really, um, you know, 30th, 40th, and at 6,100, you don't need much from them. Yep. Yep. I think that's fair. I would talk more on the other guys, but man, I. I don't like, trust anyone else. I, like none of them. Like, no. Lawrence would be interesting because he feels like a player that can big time it a little bit with his wins yeah. in recent years. And he was 42nd in um, St. Andrews. He's not, he's not, I would, not trust, I would trust use though. I would trust use over, like, I, I think Lawton can at least play the, like, has the, the highest rate to make the weekend of the guys outside of Hillier and Ferguson. Yeah, and I always, I always mispriced, uh, misprofiled Lawrence as this big hitter, but he was actually, he's actually really accurate for, or more so accurate than his distance. So maybe I like Lawrence in that benefit, the fact that he was 42nd last year and, 42nd at St Andrews is actually way better than it looks based on the fact that he's not a bomber. Um, Loughton's the steady guy, I think, but I, I've got a cheaper Loughton later on. Okay. Okay. So I think we can we can keep rolling yeah. through. I would say at this point, I mean, we, we just kind of cherry pick a guy or two that you yeah. really like because we're starting to get into where almost every single one of these golfers has some type of affiliation. Uh, with international golf, so um, go ahead on on the guys that you are intrigued at. So, if we're considering Matt Wallace to be DP World Tour, still I think it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, at six thousand dollars, I'm going to say yes because I like him too. <laughs> yeah. So, like Brad was on Matt Wallace last week on on Lost Words yep. at two hundred to one, and I and I wasn't convinced, right? But he played well for for a decent period of it. And he was 25th going into the final round of the 2021 uh, Open and finished 40th. He's made two of his last three cuts, or two of his three cuts in Open Championships. He's starting to play a little bit better. He, he had that second round 65 last week. I think he's the type of person that can definitely get you through a cut, which at 6,000 is is great. So I think you're getting a higher echelon player at 6,000. And I think Connor Seam is making a lot of cuts at uh, 5,900 as well. But nothing really other than the fact he's making cuts I like about him. Yeah. What about uh, Marcel Seen? He's the he's the cheaper use Lawson. Okay. Tell tell the people why. So Marcel Seen has only made two cuts in the Open Championship, but it was on his debut and, and it was in his most recent start. Twenty twenty one Open Championship where didn't this run start in two thousand twenty one? Like he was fifteenth and the and the renaissance of his career came back. He was 27th in 2010 at St Andrews, 15th at uh, Royal St George's, and he's just playing really well, isn't he? Like for for his age, oh, yeah. for his uh, loss of form, I, I trust him to get us through the cut. He didn't play here in 2014, so we haven't really got that to kind of lean on. But I, I think that the way he's playing, the cuts that he's making, the fact that he was 10th in Himalayan, 42nd again last week. I don't remember Marcel Seem ever being mentioned last week, and normally he's a guy that people talk about. Um, and he shot a Saturday 66 in relatively tough conditions. Um, he was 23rd at the British Masters. He was second at the Porsche European Open at home. So 
adding that to his win earlier in the season, he fits that kind of Eduardo Molinari, Charles Schwartzel, bits of De Brisson, maybe not De Brisson, but De Brisson was second in the match play and, and things like that. But like, I think he fits that kind of mould of, I wouldn't completely surprise you with a bit of a veteran from Europe, got in the top 10, top 20, and I think Seam offers that upside and a little bit of safety at 5,800, I think. Yeah, I, he, he screams out to me in this range of he's going to be around for the weekend. I, I absolutely yeah. um, agree. I wish I saw – I was a big fan last year around this time of our of our friend Sammy Valamaki, who did make the cut last weekend, yeah. um, has just had too erratic of a game as of late. Um, I, I think we'd be remiss not to talk Matthew Southgate. Is what we know or the the name that he gets as good or as confident as what people might believe in him? Because I'm a little worried he's getting too much steam because he's the name and the Lynx guy that people recognize in the five games. So I said this last week at the Scottish Open. I said, you're going to see Matthew Southgate is cheap. He nearly shot a 59 in Denmark and people are going to click on him and it's not going to work out very well for you because... Ultimately, long term, he hasn't been good enough and he finished, he missed the cut, right? So, good call last week. I, I think it's probably the same. I, I think that ultimately, this is a guy that consistently qualifies for the Open Championship and he has got a 12th and a 6th place finish. But, like, is that going to happen again? Like, what, what has he done this season long term to really think that's the case? Um, fourth in Sadal, 12th at the Scandinavian Mick. He's playing better. Like, he's definitely playing better. But, I can't hang my hat on him. In the, I'd rather pay up for Seam at 5,800. And I think because Southgate's at $200 cheaper and people know his name more, I think that's going to lead to some ownership when people get desperate. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I was pretty encouraged by what um, Dan Bradbury did at the British Masters. Yeah. Um, he did make the cut last week. Um, you know, never really ran up the leaderboard um, much at all, but he was somebody that at least um, stood out to me in this range. I think from a talent standpoint, um, has found a little bit more form, but as much as I would love to be living or at least have some, some confidence, I am much more confident in our guys higher in the price range than, than anybody down here. Even from the open qualifier standpoint, there's just not like much names at all that, that I would, be running towards no so, maybe people are going to click on alex Fitzpatrick. yeah i don't know good luck like I, I wish him the best i don't think he's going to do anything like bradbury was interesting at least because i thought his off the tee game looked pretty strong and i think that'd be beneficial here but is the finishes are not coming with it is the concern right like is he good enough to actually hang around yet we don't know i mean look we, we're seeing I think we see sort of amateurs come up in this event, but does it happen at St. Andrews more than everywhere else? Like, is it because you can spray it about a bit? Like, I think when it comes to a real test like Hoy Lake, and that's not, that, that's the wrong thing to say. Like, it's, St. Andrews is a real test, but like, there's a little bit more freedom there, I think. Whereas I don't think you get that here at Hoy Lake. I think you can get in trouble pretty quickly. I guess the only person I've, I've never really given any thought about until we got down here, Natural Lira has never played in a major. So we have no idea. Yeah, how I clicked on his be. name his last time. Like he he was good at Doha. Um, if you looked at those type of courses, second last time out. I, I, 
to me, all of this is um, like putting aside that I do think there is somebody of talent in the five Ks that I would be playing. And I don't think there's any business that, that Kita Nakajima is priced around these guys now. Right. Like, so I don't want to put that aside and say like, you know, I mean, he has finished inside the top 21 in every single event since April, including a stretch of five consecutive top three finishes. Um, So, so for that price to, to be there, I think it's a disservice to really dive into to other golfers um, around there. Like he would be the one that I'm clicking. It's tough to know without much strokes gained that if he can really be reliable from an accuracy standpoint, he was decent at Sony, but that's a huge fairway. Wasn't good accuracy at the other two PGA courses, but that's my click of the five Ks. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke with Matt on the, on the DraftKings show yesterday and we, I mentioned Nakajima and Semikawa as just two, talented Japanese players that are in this low range, right? It it was um, Kanaya, though, that's been kind of challenging Nakajima, right, on the Japan tour, like they've been dueling it out. Why is yes. he $400 more than Nakajima? Is it just because we, we've seen more of him on the on the DP World Tour and there's a bit more yeah, substance? I, probably. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think they're both maybe underpriced for, for recent form, right? Yeah. Um, the only thing that gives me trouble about Kanaya is when he stepped up to the DP World Tour, he shot an 80 on, yeah. on Friday, but, right? Um, so, me, like, the, the, the biggest, the kind of biggest spotlights we've seen Nakajima on, and this is, you know, ignoring, I guess, Riviera where he missed the cut and, and Tory Pines, but like Zozo, 12th, Sony Open makes the cut with 67, 66. His finish is 54th, not great, but serviceable comes to the dp world tour finishes 12th but i think that i think that's mm-hmm. the thing like he, he's come over to the isps hander finished 12th and i look this is a guy that was how long was he world number one amateur for like a long time yeah mm-hmm. so for sure we don't know enough about him to be really bullish like we know his links pedigree is great we just know he's really good at golf and at 5900 he probably should be clicked if you're gonna this is where you're going to try and fill out your cards with like Seam and Nakajima because you've got Scotty Scheffler, another high price guy in. Then I think these are the two that you can hang your hat on. Yeah, I'm just trying to to really like pull a name out of a hat somewhere the, the, and the, the, be spun. But I, I think that's it's wrong to do because you'll end yeah. up misleading people. I think like I think that's the thing in the past that like, we're we're really keen to kind of get these Euro guys in. That's the the basis of our show, right? But I think we've mentioned the Euro guys that are capable. This all goes to the wider point of, is there a little bit of a talent discrepancy that hasn't been there for two or three years really forming? I think it is. So uh, I think we've mentioned the guys that can hang around and we can be confident in. And I think we've mentioned two or three guys in the, in the 5,000 that other people won't have mentioned. So that's the important part. Done. Yep. Okay. So I'm turning the page for us. We're yeah. Headed to the Barracuda. I don't, think there needs to be a recap of selections because we've, we've gone through all of those and kind of yeah. where we stand um so but but bakuda we're really going to primarily focus on the guys that we're we're in on um and odds are still they're a little bit slower when they when they come out here um with it but most have been out tom i guess um you know your betting card will probably be a combination of pga tour and dp world tour with 50 50 last week you almost you know had like an exacta out there until <laughs> The back nine didn't really go your way. 
But uh, who are some of the DP World Tour guys you are intrigued at? Yeah, so I think straight off the bat is a guy that we talk about an awful lot and it's not going to be a massive surprise, is Sean Crocker. I've seen what yes. I need to see from Sean Crocker now um, to suggest that he can win again. You were on him a little bit earlier than I was. I was impressed with his tee to green game last week in Scotland. I was impressed with the finish. And he's 100 to 1, right? So we don't know what he's going to be on DraftKings because that's that's not out yet. But like I, I just see Sean Crocker taking advantage of that current form um, and going over back to America where we know he's comfortable and wants to be ultimately 19th last week in a really strong PGA Tour level field, uh, 14th for the BMW International Open, second in that Volvo Scandinavian mix, and crucially, like, good in tee to green, which is important. So uh, his irons weren't as hot as I thought they might have been. Like, he's it, still 17th in a really strong field. Like, that's that's one thing you've got to kind of mention, but, like, I thought he'd be higher based on his tee screen. It seems to be that it was more driver and around the green, but um, it's good that he's got an all-round game going. Yep, yep, totally. I am 100% on Sean Crocker. Returning to California where, you know, he did go to college um, at USC. So uh, I think we're upstate California versus, uh, you know, down because yeah. we're, ele- we're at elevation um, this week. But do you, um, how about like parallels? Are you looking at, any guys that like would play well um, at Omega at all? Like, is that anything that factored into yours? I know like elevation can be something that's really, really big here. And Sebastian Soderberg was, was first page of a leaderboard, wasn't he? Um, at the Scottish last week until the final, uh, final day. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't. To be honest with you, Sky, I haven't thought that far ahead in terms of those comparisons. And I think it's a really good one to mention. And like you say, Soderberg, 15th after round one, 10th after round two, 13th going into the final day, shot 75. Not a massive surprise in a, in a strong Scottish Open field. Uh, Marcel Schneider, similar sort of thing, 10th after round two, finished 25th. So there's two guys there. One player I was going to talk about because he had a real shot at, at posting a first round lead for me and then went into the water on 16. Marcus Hellekilder was, uh, he shot 66 after round one, and uh, on round one, sorry. Uh, and then missed the cut. <laughs> so um, he went full Keegan Bradley. That's what people like to call it still. Um, but I think he's playing well enough to kind of figure out, you know, the missed cut from last week and, and come back if the health is there. And then I guess Louis Diego was 16th last week and he was fifth after 36 holes. I'm, there was, that was the DP World Tour leaderboard last week. Yeah. Like that was a legit, like Trevor Cohen, like came to like mix it in, but like I'm I'm claiming Norman still on our. I mean, Sadier, yeah. you know, was Sadier was, was there too. I mean, it was, yeah. and I, I mean, like I thought he was in this field. I thought he got himself. Sadier? In. Yeah, he's. He, I haven't got him listed here unless it needs to be updated. But like he played really well last week, and they were talking about how he was getting himself a spot. He obviously didn't, but um, I wouldn't bet him anyway. Like there I think was. Bolton did tweet earlier. There was like four more guys that got into the field. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Histatune, Sadie is in. He's in. Okay, cool. So one, one to kind of look at just based on what he did last week. Um, yep. The other one that I'm interested in, I've been on the last couple recently. Matthew Pavon played really well for me in Denmark. He's finished seventh at the BMW International Open, 17th. Um, at Himalayan, missed a cut last week at the Scottish Open, shot second round 69. He could be of interest. Like, just, just thinking out loud here. I'm just trying to think of whether he's played well in crowns or not. It strikes me somewhere where he could have done. Yeah, what, 
I mean, there was, I mean, that leaderboard, I was, I was impressed. Normally we have some discouraging um, combo events. Yeah. Mainly I'm still, I'm still stung from Schmid blowing that lead um, yeah. in Kentucky last year for us. But I know there was some Sunday heroes um, that I, that I happened to notice on like bear offs card early today, like Kawamura played exceptional into the yeah. top 10 last week with really, really good ball striking. Um, let's see. How has Kawamura been at elevation? I'm trying to think like we have a little, we have a little elevation in Kenya too, don't we? Um, yeah. So Pavon didn't do what I hoped he'd done at, um, Cram. I thought he had a good finish there, but he hasn't. So let's look at Kawamura while we're talking about him. He's ninth, ninth and 21st his last two times, um, out at Crans. So nice. I think he can be of interest um, uh, there. Let's see. I had Rivetto up too. Rivetto was, you know, exceptional last week, and he come off of a really good um, Hammerlin, or I guess a trending Hammerlin, because he kind of fallen off the map a little bit. Um, he had shown up. I, I mean, all of these guys I'm betting in the without Peter Quest market because <laughs> you know, Quest will probably win by eleven. Um, so he would, get, would would say something about that, but I think. Um, do you remember when I was talking about Alexander Levy at the start of the season about a little bit of a comeback from injury? And he's suddenly gone yeah. second, 52nd, 34, 49th, and then ninth last week at the Barbasol, seventh going into the final yes. round. He, he's a legit player that's capable of winning. Now, the one name we haven't mentioned is Nathan Kimsey. He's finished second last week at the, at the uh, Barbasol and was 10th the week before um, in yep. Himalayan on the DP World Tour, right? But I think people can find those ones themselves. I'm just trying to think out loud here. I'm enjoying this because we're going through it kind of as we're talking about it. I think, I think Alexander Levy's interesting because I just, I just believe that if he can get himself in the mix, which he, he almost did last week, he could hang around. Yeah, yeah, you were you were very early on him coming out of uh, injury, and I mean, he doesn't he have like elevation in in something that he's done well at too. Let's have a look. But he's 300 to one in, you know, about as bad a field as you can get on the PJ Tour. Um, it's not coming from Crans, but um, yeah, he was he was definitely a standout of of that that list. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's got massive things at elevation. Like he he's played well in South Africa and places like that, um, but I. I I wouldn't worry too much about it. I, I think it's it's a nice. No, thing. at that price, three hundred is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I think ultimately, before I come into the, to this show with you today, Sean Crocker was my one bet. Like yes. he's the one I can really hang my hat on. I was really intrigued by Louis Diego just because he's been good for a while now on the DP World Tour, yeah. and then backed up with a good finish last week. So I think he's another one that we should probably be looking at. Because again, like I think I just got yeah. him and Tristan Lawrence to one round. Like Louis Diego's a big hitter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's much better with the driver, I think, um, than what you see. Yeah, Diego's much more distance heavy. I like this Levy play, man. Um, Tour Tips had him as the number one statistical guy in the field last week at the Barbasol um, in regards to to this week. So I think. I think that's definitely encouraging as his trends have gotten better and better overall. I want to see who else hasn't Histatune been playing okay? Yeah, Diego's got the second at the Kenya as well, which that would be the elevation that you're looking for. Um, 
So that's interesting. Hisatoon's been good, like, for a little while. Yeah, he was 15th, 8th, couldn't putt last week. I... I, I'm not as I'm waiting for him to come back onto the DP World Tour a little bit more regularly. He's been kind of back and forth. Um, yeah. Beerman was pretty decent last week. He yeah. popped a little bit. I mean, I guess another one we haven't spoken about who's been so solid on the DP World Tour for a long time this season. Maximilian Kiefer, his last two finishes of 57th and 42nd, but he was 7th going into the final round of the British Masters and 18th going into the final round of the Scottish Open last week. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a really good Saturday by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like is is he live in this kind of field? I mean, we talk about guys that can't win on the DP World Tour, then not being able to win on the PGA Tour. It's pretty much the same level, right? Like these are all the same. Oh yeah, yeah. Guys, like they're playing against half the people. If anything, you're taking out the real top tier talent. They do have to face like Moronk and and people like that. So, um, I think Keeper could be in. What price is Keeper? Let's have a look. I feel like he won't have been missed because of some of his really solid form recently. Um, 75 to 1 for Kiefer, I'm seeing on on okay. So, I, again, I would definitely just go to the uh, Sean Crocker at 100 and the Levy bomb at 300. But, yeah, that, that's yeah. where I'm at. And I like Kawamura. I think Kawamura could be could be one that I'd go confident into. What price is Kawamura? Um... See if Bear off tank the market or not. <laughs> oh, he's 150. He was 150. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty, good. pretty good. Yeah. He was on. He was on Ken Holt too at another good Sunday as well. Um, Ken Holt, I think, has made some noise at Elevation too. Um, maybe I'm just saying that about every guy at this point. You don't, you don't want to run it back with Matty Schmidt? Um, no, but there was somebody. <laughs> I'm tempted to run it back with Freddie Scott. Freddie Scott, I, he was 400 through like 14, and then he ended uh, like over par on Thursday um, yep. after I thought he had shown a lot, a lot of trends. Um, just trying to see. Kinola had a really good ball striking weekend. It was good to see Jaden Trace Keeper. He had a chance on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, he was around that leaderboard, and then you missed two five footers to start his round on Sunday, which is classic, um, you know, Scaper there. But that at least gives us an idea of guys that we may be in on um, yeah. on that side. I think we're both very confident on Sean Crocker. Like, I think we're very bullish yes. on Sean Crocker. I think if we was 100 to 1 in the DP World Tour event, we'd be all over it in the next couple of weeks. And yep. it's not a, that strong a field. So I like the fact he's going back home-ish um, and, and yep. playing the event that he thinks he should be in. Yep. Agreed. Cool. Well, long show. Um you know, a good recapping of probably probably almost a hundred golfers. It felt like through the two yeah. fields. Um, good to be back, Tom. Uh, yep. Appreciate you. Huge week ahead. Make sure you follow um, Tom on Twitter. Tom, where can they find you? Yeah, Tom Jacobs ninety three. Yep, you can find me at Skyhook DFS. Because uh, again, there's surely things to change between now and tee off on Thursday as more comes out, and that's where you can find all the content for the week. But super excited. I mean, it's it's crunch time. I mean, like I said, it's a Super Bowl for, for what we do. And it's a huge yeah. opportunity at the Barracuda for a lot of guys, too. Like This week has a ton of implications on guys' future, right? Nathan Kimsey, he, he still might have enough to, to get to Corn Ferry Tour Finals. I'd assume he would. Um, but, I mean, this type of week can change lives, right? We were two strokes away from 
two guys having PGA Tour cards in their lives incredibly changed snap of the fingers yeah. like that and, one week. And, and I think also, like, people like, I mean, I'm not going to get too excited about 320 Alex Levy, but, like, he's the type of player, like, if he gets the comp, like, if he gets in contention or wins it miraculously and, and gets a PGA Tour card, that could really change his career because he suddenly believes that he's a PGA Tour player, which he could have done 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, definitely changes yeah. lives. I think ultimately what we've done today is cover everything and anything. And yes, there's going to be condition changes and some of the things we've said is going to come outdated in two or three days. But you can follow what we said about the players and kind of fill in the gaps based on weather and things like that. I think ultimately, I don't think the weather's going to change too drastically. I think it's going to be, you know, pretty soft and, and the condition shouldn't get too out of control. Yep, I can agree with you there. Um, we will also have a little bit of break from the DP World Tours. We do not have another event until August 17th. So a little bit of time off. That's why it's important to follow us on Twitter. You'll get some intel um, from who we are on the PGA Tour side as Tom's doing a ton of content. You can catch up on the DP World Tour, the tips, which is really, really cool to see um, as, you know, get more and more spotlight uh, for, for the tour and, and representing the guys that we have been following for and close to probably a decade now. It's really cool yeah. um, that we've gotten uh, you on there, Tom. It's really awesome for you. And for all the listeners, again, we appreciate the support, like, review, subscribe on Mayo Media Network across both platforms, and, and let's have a huge major championship. Let's do it, bud. Thanks for coming back on, Sky. Glad to have you back, yep. and uh, looking forward to, I mean, look, we've got this little break we just mentioned, but looking forward to the rest mm-hmm. of the season and the Ryder Cup. Yep, 100%. All right, take care. Good luck, everybody. 